Hey there, I just want to drop a quick note about this episode. There is uh, some audio glitches in this episode. uh, There's some pops and cracks and that sort of thing that came from a bad connection of the microphone that I really didn't even, I wasn't even aware it was going on and wouldn't have been able to fix anyway because I was uh, driving while I was recording and I was flying solo. So, well, driving solo, but you get the idea. So anyway, without any further ado, I apologize for that. The apology is done and here comes the actual episode. All right, well, it is the Madam Web road trip episode where uh, I'm going to go see Madam Webb all by myself and I might just be alone in the theater based on the phone app that I was just looking at to select my ticket. So, roll credits. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. There, it's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to drive to the theater to go and see Madam Web. I just left my local comic shop where my local comic shop owner told me that she was speaking to the uh, distributor or the contact person for Dynamite, I think it was, that she said, and he said it was terrible. <laughs> and <laughs> she talked to two other friends of ours who also said that it was it was terrible. And so I am still on my way to go and see Madam Webb. And I, I'm very interested to see what I think of it. But for this opening portion where I'm driving to the theater, um, I'm going to talk about my expectations and my thoughts about what might be coming with Madam Webb and what I'm hearing may not be coming from Madam Web, it's going to be a pretty much spoiler-free because I don't have a lot of details. But I also want to talk about you know superhero movies because there's been a lot of new, um, well, new information about superhero movies. Uh, they just released a uh, a teaser little image from uh, Fantastic Four, and the teaser image from Fantastic Four it. The first teaser that I saw wasn't even a picture. It was just the logo. And the Marvel part of that logo was, uh, was done in like that, uh, I don't know, Cinerama, I think, is what I've seen, where it's got like these slanted, um, well, they're not squares because they, they're, they're, they have slants and uh, a parallelogram, I think. Parallelograms, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, the Mar- Marvel logo was done in that style which was a very retro kind of a style. And then the Fantastic Four uh, title was done in, in that kind of a retro style for Fantastic Four. And so, um, yeah. But I want to get ahead of myself. A road trip episode is where I ri- drive to a movie. Usually, well, I shouldn't say usually. Used to be. <laughs> Instead of usually, used to be with someone uh, riding co-pilot here. And it was, uh, it was Evan... Evan and me on the road, driving to go see some sort of movie we were excited about, or at least excited about talking about, but that's not happening here. Instead, I'm driving by myself, and so at some point, I may just uh, 
stop talking. And you won't know that I just stopped talking because I just stopped talking and I'm still recording. Um, but when I edit this together, you won't even know. But I mean, maybe I'll say something like I'm not at the theater yet. But usually we stop recording when we get to the theater, parking lot, go inside, watch the movie, and then we leave the movie to uh, talk about it afterward too. So when we go home, we talk about what we just saw. I don't know if I'm going to have a full drive home talking about what I just saw, but I'm sitting here in my Ford Escape. I've got my lapel mic on so I can just talk to myself and we'll see what, where the conversation goes as I talk to myself. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to talk about upcoming superhero stuff. I want to talk about Madam Web, what I'm expecting from it. And so um, I guess we'll start there with the Madam Web, though. I mean, this episode is about Madam Web. So I'll talk about Madam Web, kind of what I'm expecting, what I'm hoping for, how that movie will be a success for me. And then... I'll fill the rest of the time of the drive talking about other superhero stuff, and then I'll either be in the parking lot or I will <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> uh, and the reason I'm just going to stop talking is because you know I'm driving, right? And I'm driving. I'm not. I'm not uh, going to be messing with any screens or anything like that. I'm just going to let the recording flow and let the recording go. And, but like I said, it'll be edited so you don't even know unless I say something out loud that I keep in the recording. So, so Madam Web is a part of the whole Sony portion of the well. It's its own. It's its own branch in the MCU, and it's its own branch in the Spider Verse, and so it gets touched on by both of those major prime. Uh, Prime franchises, prime. Yeah, I guess they're they're franchises, but they're all they're all entwined together, and so even though Madam Web isn't necessarily MCU proper, it is a part of that whole multiverse thing. Which you know, the whole multiverse thing, it does kind of bug me just a little bit because you know, I'll just put it this way. Back in the day when you had Superman, Christopher Reeve, and you had Batman. We'll just go with Michael Keaton because around the same time, that was, you know, Christopher Reeve and Michael Keaton were around the same time together. And, and they just were their own thing, and that was okay. And, you know, so then you have the franchises where you have, well, the DC Extended Universe, which they were trying to do something with, and uh, just that never caught on the way it was supposed to, uh, according to the bean counters. And, but the MCU, which did catch on, and so then suddenly everything had to be connected and you had that hashtag from Marvel and that might be, that might've been the curse. That might've been the curse that brought us what we have. Uh, not that it's a bad thing sometimes, but sometimes it's not a good thing. And, and so the hashtag was, it's all connected. It's all connected. All these movies were connected. And when, with a, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's all connected. Hashtag is all connected. That was a big deal with the, uh, with the, premiere and, and the promotion of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was hashtag it's all connected. This show matters in this film universe. And they weren't the first people to do that kind of thing. I mean, obviously, you know, Star Trek is a big one early on where they had multiple shows and movies going on at the same time. And so you had Star Trek V was released 
during the Star Trek Next Generation era on TV and all that stuff. But then you get into how do we handle Spider-Man? And people, of course, wanted Spider-Man in the MCU. And so how do we handle it? Well, we're going to do Amazing Spider-Man and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And they made all these plans and stuff. And then all of a sudden they announced, no, Spider-Man's going to be a part of the MCU. But it's Sony who is co-producing this with, I can't remember if it was Disney at the time, but I think it was. And so, you know, the Spider-Man character is on, <laughs> Spider-Man character is being rented by Sony from Disney, from Marvel, uh, but then they're going to loan the character back so that it can, you know, he can appear. And so you have him appearing in this, well, they call it the 616 universe, which I hate that they, they do that. But he's, he's appearing as a regular main character in the MCU. But Sony still wants to do their own thing. And they still want to have, you know, some, they had plans. They had plans they were excited about. They wanted to do the Sinister Six. And they wanted to do all these, you know, Spider-Man anti-Avengers kind of things where, where they have, you know, Craven and all these guys and, and they were going to be the Sinister Six and they're building up into someone who would fight potentially Spider-Man. And they had all these plans and they're doing these, these ideas, but they, they didn't actually get around to doing any of them, especially with Spider-Man joining the, the MCU. And then you have Venom, the Venom movies. And so then it's just this kind of messy little thing where it's, hey, we're actually going to go ahead and still do this. And we're going to go ahead, we're going to make these movies happen, and, uh, and we're going to make Spider-Man without Spider-Man. It's, it's the whole, I think I've said this before, but Garfield without Garfield is a really, really funny and kind of depressing and sad comic strip you can find online where someone just erases a Garfield from all the panels, and it's just John talking to himself. And it's, uh, it's an existential... Uh, it's not an existential social crisis, but it's it, it's just sad. That's what it is. I'm, I, it's just sad. So anyway, you have Spider-Man without Spider-Man. So you're going to have the Venom movies, but there's no Spider-Man. You're going to have uh, Mobius, but no Spider-Man. You're going to have now Madam Web, and it's all Spider-Women. And it's kind of interesting, the concept, but they've created this universe that is built around Spider-Man, and Spider-Man's nowhere to really even be seen. And it's, it's interesting the way they're trying to build this up because, you know, Sony's like, well, we want to use Michael Keaton as the vulture. And so we're just going to have him hop dimensions and we're going to have this Madam Web thing. And we already have the Spider-Verse, which is fantastic. And the Spider-Verse, which does reference the MCU and does reference these Sony-verse movies. And so you end up with movies like this, where at least with Venom... It feels like Venom can exist without Spider-Man, even though, technically speaking, in the comics he can't. And even the suit itself, even if you take the Spider-Man symbol away, you still have this kind of suit that is referencing the Spider-Man suit with the eyes, the way they do it. And it's, you know, and DC's done something similar, but DC did it within their own, within the confines of, of the Warner Brothers um, but Joker without Batman, although I guess that's not true. Bruce Wayne showed up in, in Joker, but you know, you're focusing in on Joker. So here's Venom gets his own movies, two movies so far and his movies, they, they stand alone. They're a story and, and they work, you know, and you, 
do kind of, if you know about Spider-Man and Venom and their connection, you, there's something missing here. Something missing, just a little bit. But anyway, you have then uh, Mobius. Well, can Mobius exist without Spider-Man? Absolutely. You can to, do a Mobius story without Spider-Man. Is it going to be good? Well, it could be. It really could. It could. It, it, well, it could. It could have been good. Uh, and then you have, uh, you know, Craven the Hunter. Well, could that work without Spider-Man? Yeah, it could. Although, I mean, there's some fantastic Craven stories that feature Spider-Man. And then you have Madam Web. And so what I'm really curious about is how are they going to do Madam Web without Spider-Man? And the answer is they're going to have Spider-Women. And, okay, so... What, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, these you know, Spider Woman character is obviously inspired by Spider Man. Her suit is inspired by Spider Man, and her powers are inspired by Spider Man. And so you have these other characters as well who are riffing on the Spider Man thing. This the and so I mean, Madame Web herself exists as a character in the Marvel comics so that she could be a supporting character with Spider-Man. Of course, my introduction to Madam Web was on the Spider-Man 90s cartoon. And so that was my first interaction with that character. And, and I really haven't read, I don't know if I've read any comics with, with Madam Web. But she was there in the cartoon, and she was an important character in that, in that cartoon. And so now I'm, I'm getting ready to go to a movie that is a Spider-Man supporting cast character that was created specifically to fit into the spider theme of the Spider-Man stories. And there will be other characters who were written and created specifically to fit the spider theme of the Spider-Man stories. And the, there was talk of, okay, well, this is Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man universe. And there was talk of, okay, well, maybe, maybe Tom Holland is going to show up in this. And then recently I saw some headlines that were saying that they're not going to reference Spider-Man at all. And thinking, wait a minute, how does this work? How does this work? Especially when you've created rules in your Spider-Verse that say, you know, this is how the Spider-Man character works in all these universes. And there's these, you know, canon events or whatever that must happen to the Spider-Man character. And... This is, you know, it's just this, this repeating theme that's going to happen from universe to universe. Uh, and so, I, and I guess you do have Spider-Gwen in some places. You have Spider-Man in some places. In some places, Miguel, Miguel O'Hara. In some places, uh, well, and then in one, it's, it's Miles Morales, which, hey, man, those movies are so, so good. So, so good. And so I find it fascinating that you have Sony who is able to create into the Spider-Verse and across the Spider-Verse and it's just so amazing. And then you have this round of movies, which I don't know if they have like a, a figurehead uh, who is, is a, the driving force behind these movies or not. Uh, that'd be interesting to find out. You know, who is, is it, uh, was it Amy Pascal, I think, who's, um, at least early on, she was pretty much the the head honcho for Sony and, and making those, those Spider-Man things happen. But, uh, yeah, I just, 
I'm so curious, how does this work? And can it be good? Can it be good? I mean, in some ways, it kind of reminds me of... So after the death of Superman, you had the reign of the Supermen. And it was uh, the Eradicator. It was John Henry Steele. It was... Um, man, I can't remember the other... The other two, I feel like one of them was a clone or something. Uh, that was a long time ago. We're, we're testing the limits of my my Superman knowledge here. But you had those characters. Now imagine if they did Reign of the Supermen, but Superman didn't exist in that universe. Like that's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. And so here's what Madam Web has to do for it to be a successful movie for me. Madam Web has to, first of all, and most importantly, be a standalone movie with a beginning, middle, and end that's satisfying and a good story. I'm not looking for great. I'm not looking for Citizen Kane. I, I'm, not, I'm not looking for, for... I'm just going to stick with Citizen Kane. <laughs> that's not what I'm looking for. I want something that is going to be fun and that's going to be just, you know, turn your brain off for a little bit. I've had a long weekend. I've had a long weekend all month. And it's just been one thing after another. I want something fun. That's what I want here in my February. I want a, a movie that I can enjoy. Now, for it to be successful, it does have to be a movie I can enjoy without it being one of those where you, you know, it's so bad it's good. That's not the kind of enjoyment I want here. I will enjoy something that's really, really bad, okay? Don't get me wrong. But for this to be successful, it needs to be just a good movie. And I'm stopped by a train. I'm going to be late to my movie now. <laughs> but we'll, Maybe I'm just going to miss the credits. Maybe I'm just going to miss the Nicole Kidman thing. And that in and of itself might make this movie successful. If I miss Nicole Kidman, I'm already going to be, um, you know, my, my thumb is going to be tending toward up. Let's put it that way. I can't stand that Nicole Kidman thing. It's just, hey, come to the movies. Make me more rich. That's That's just what it feels like when she's talking about how we go to the movies to feel and to be sad and to laugh and to cry. And, and she's not wrong. And by she's not wrong, I mean the script that she was reading is not wrong. But then it's just, hi, I'm a rich movie star who does lots and lots of big movies. And I want you to come to the theater so you can make sure there's more money coming so it will fund the things I do. The train is gone, but the gate is still down. Is there another train coming? I should have turned. There was a way to turn around this, but... Okay, the gate's going up. Good. <laughs> Here I'm talking to you, listener, as if you are the passenger in my car. And uh, I need to tell someone this, you know? I need to tell someone this. Anyway, I'm not looking for Citizen Kane. I just want something that is a uh, an engaging enough story that I can, you know, jump in... I can do the Nicole Kidman thing, find myself in another world... And, and enjoy myself. That's number one. And if it does that, it will be successful. Number two, to be successful, it has to make a case to exist without Spider-Man. Or it has to introduce the idea of Spider-Man in that universe in such a way that it doesn't matter for this movie if you've never seen a Spider-Man movie before. If Spider-Man's not in it then they have to make a case for this movie to exist. And if Spider-Man is in it, then they have to explain things and not just hint at 
at things, you know, they have to, they have to, they have to make the spider connection make sense one way or another. Those are the two things that this movie has to do. And if it can move the needle just on the enjoyment side toward a thumbs up, then thumbs up. Uh, I really hope that the trailers are going to be as long as they normally are. I'm at the theater now. I'm going to turn off my recording and I'm going to back inside, hopefully not be too late. And then I will come back. All right. I'll see you after the movie. Okay, so I've seen the movie. I've seen Madam Web, the movie. And (laughs) it's not great, everyone. It's just not. It's just not. I'm going to be as spoiler-free as possible right now. Uh, I do have a little bit of a spiritual application that just stuck out to me, and... It's actually pretty good, I think. I might be wrong about that, but it just this movie. Um, they did they do the two things that I wanted. We'll talk about it in just a minute. Uh, we'll talk about the whole uh, some of the some of the Spider-Man connection. We'll talk about the things that I liked, and then there, of course, were the things that I didn't like. But man. I just, I, I, who's, who's driving the show over there at Sony? Like, this felt like a movie that was made, I don't know. I mean, it took place in 2003, but it doesn't feel like a movie made in 2003. It feels like a movie that was made, you know, kind of just during that superhero boom where it was just like let's just get superhero movies out there because superhero movies make money and i bet before covid a little bit before covid maybe a a couple years before covid this movie would have made some money if it had been released right after covid uh no one would have cared about this at all no one would have seen it uh no one cares about it anyway uh I mean, it just, it's, I, so I'm not going to do a spoiler organ right now. I I might do one later, but I I don't think I want to, Uh, but if I don't, it means I can't talk about the Spider-Man connection and, and that is what I would like to talk about. Uh, that's probably the one big thing in this movie that is worth talking about if you are interested in this movie. Okay. But it's just the, 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 okay, let's reset. Let's talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, the good Adam Scott, Adam Scott, any scene that he's in fantastic any scene that he's in it's like you know i've talked about this before on up from the ashes the podcast about the star losses canadian tv show uh but whenever we talk about doctor who we talk about it mainly because uh you know there's a season or a a time period of doctor who that takes place at the same time period as uh 
or that's created was created at the same time as the Star Lost, and the special effects that were available were available to both of them. But where Doctor Who kind of did better with the effects, it didn't really matter. Doctor Who could have had just horrible, horrible effects. But you have Tom Baker, and you have a script, and those both elevated the material. And that's kind of what I look at Adam Scott here. Now, Adam Scott, he's from Severance. He's from Parks and Rec. In fact, I think in Parks and Rec, he's one of the best things about that show, too. But anyway... He's, he's a character in this movie, and whenever he had a scene, I, I, I liked the scene. It was good. It was good. Uh, the other actors, I would put that in the bad category. <laughs> They're not great. I mean, they, maybe they are. Maybe they are great. And, and there's moments when, they're, when you feel like they're acting naturally or, you know... Um, and I guess the lead, I, th- I think her name is Dakota Johnson. Uh, the lead, she's, she's decent. She's good. She's good. Yeah, yeah if you're doing a, a binary thumbs up, thumbs down, she's good. Uh, thumbs up for her. She, she was fairly solid, and she carried the movie. I mean, the whole idea behind this movie is that um, when she was born, uh, her mother had been bitten by a spider. <laughs> um, and so... It, connected her to the web, uh, not the internet web, but connected her to the web. And so she's able to kind of see the future. And that's the other good, is that high concept of what the character is like. And this movie, if it was not called Madam Web, I honestly feel like <laughs> fewer people probably would have seen it, okay? Uh, but it wouldn't be getting quite the bad word of mouth if it wasn't a Marvel movie. People just wouldn't see it. And people who did see it would kind of know what they're getting into and, and, and be forgiving or whatever. But anyway, that high concept of kind of being able to see the future. And so there's some scenes where, you know, she has echoes of the future that she's hearing. She has some scenes where, you know, something bad is about to happen and she experiences it. And so she's able to kind of adjust things. It wasn't quite like, uh, oh, the uh, edge of tomorrow where, you know, you live a day and then you relive it to be able to fix it. You just keep making small adjustments. There's other movies that have been like that. That's not what this was going to be. I thought we might be getting something like that, actually, where it'd be like you get a vision of the future and then you get a vision of you making adjustments to the vision of the future and, and that kind of thing. But instead, it's she gets this vision of the future and it's here's what's going to happen if you continue on this course. And it, also, it kind of reminded me, actually, of some of the stories, especially out of David Collings' story from uh, A Time for Everything, the anthology that that I edited that Evan and Steve also had stories in, but just that idea, there's this time element where there is a vision of the future and it can be a blessing or a curse. And for our main character, for our protagonist, it's a blessing. And for our antagonist, it's a curse. And I love that. I love that. And, and you know why he got cursed this is kind of dumb. I mean, there's a lot of moments in this movie where I'm just thinking that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of dumb. 
But then there's other moments where it does it well and it works well. And so, yeah, for uh, the high concept, I like that. I like the high concept. I like the way they portrayed it. And I like the way that they used it mostly, mostly. There are some moments, like I said, that I think are kind of dumb. And, and some of those moments didn't involve using the, the power. But, but for the most part, you know, and, and this kind of reminded me of like what could have been a TV pilot. The high concept, it, it's good. And it reminds me of stories from A Time for Everything, which is every single story in that whole collection it has to do with time. It's not necessarily time travel, but it's a science fiction or a fantasy use of time. I, I call it time bending. Uh, where, yeah. So this whole movie feels like it could have been a, a you know, a, a part of, you know, thematically a, a part of, of the the time part of that anthology. Anyway, so I, those are the that's the good. That's the good. The bad. I already mentioned some of the performances. Some of the dialogue is really clunky. And then there's just moments in the plot where it's like, why are they doing this thing right now? It's not smart. Oh, I see. Because there was no other way for the plot to get you to where you need all the characters to be if the characters did smart things. And at some point you're thinking, oh, it's a little bit forgivable because the characters intentionally are not doing smart things because they're young and impulsive. And then you have other moments where it's like, wait, you should know better. You're a little bit more responsible. And then even some of the, the good stuff that they do with her power is kind of just feels worse because of the dialogue that's involved. And, and there is a lot of, of, of tell, don't show. The very beginning, the very first scene, it's like, why are we out doing this? Well, we're doing this because, you know, I'm looking for this spider, and this spider does this and this and this. Oh, you mean like the, the uh, I can't remember what they call them, but you mean like the, the spider people who live out in the jungle? Oh, you mean the supernatural spider people who do this and this and this and this and this? Oh, come on. I'm a, I believe in science. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. And it's just, first of all, it's so cliche. The dialogue is cliche. But then it's also like, oh, it's exposition dump. So we're going to take an exposition dump and use it in cliche. And then I'm just going to say this right now for people who know. But there's, there's Chekhov's skateboard in this thing. And it's just kind of... Uh, and, and, you know, you, you set it up in the beginning so you can knock it down at the end. And, you know, they knocked it down at the end, but really maybe shouldn't have knocked it down like that. So it just felt, yeah, yeah, I, I feel bad. I feel bad. I feel like I'm dogpiling here on this movie when everyone else is already dogpiling on this movie. I mean, it's, it's Rotten Tomato scores are super low. And it's just, it's just not doing well with word of mouth from the people I know. Um, Samantha from Welcome to Level 7, my co-host over there. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is her end review, but her review was, well, there's two hours I'm never going to get back. You know, So that's never a, a good reaction. Uh, another thing good about this experience, though, was I was late to the movie. I walked in, though, right 
after the trailers and before Nicole Kidman. So I still had to watch the whole Nicole Kidman movies or blah, blah, blah. I still had to watch that, but I didn't have to sit for all the trailers. And man, I used to love trailers so much, but it just, it gets to be too much. And, and there's a point in every trailer uh, series, I guess, where I just hit the point where I'm like, too much. It's just too much. It's, it's usually around the, the 15, 20 minute mark. And I just groan. I'm just, ugh, start the movie. So I had to watch Nicole Kidman, but it was a decent trade-off in that way. And I didn't miss any of the movie at all. So that was, that was fine. Um, so that was the good. That was the bad. I, I, uh, I'm just going back and forth about do I talk about the, the Spider-Man connection or not. and Because uh, that's the ugly. I'm just going to put it out there. That's the ugly and it's something that if they're going to follow through on it, maybe it's not so ugly. It's something that, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause. I'm not pausing the recording. I'm not pausing the, the episode. I want to talk about the spiritual application. And I like this. I like this a lot because it's a, an inversion of Uncle Ben's phrase, with great power comes great responsibility. I really, potentially, this is a slight, slight, slight spoiler about a line of dialogue that's going to bring out something that happens with our main character. But, but she's given some advice by uh, a wise old mentor kind of a character. And the advice is this. When you take on the responsibility, the power will come. When you take on the responsibility, the power will come. And it, what it makes me think about is, first of all, it makes me think about that, that phrase that people talk about where it's like, God's not going to give you anything you can't handle. God's not going to give you anything you can't handle. Which I think is a bald-faced lie. I think it's absolutely wrong. I do think that we face things in life that we can't handle alone. And, and, and that's the difference. That we, we can't handle it, yeah, but we can't handle it alone. And with him, we can. We can handle it. It goes to, uh, I actually just got to teach about this verse actually this morning in our basketball program. And I'm, I'm going to be talking about it a little bit tomorrow as well in my Sunday school lesson. Two different lessons, but the same verse, and that's, that's Joshua 1.9, where Joshua says to the people, he, he's quoting Moses, where Moses said the same kind of thing, where he says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. And it could stop right there. And, and if you stop it right there, there's, you're just leaving people hanging. And it's bad advice. It's bad advice. Be strong and courageous. Just do it. Just do it. You know, it's like the Bob Newhart sketch where he's a therapist and the lady's afraid of being trapped in a coffin and he just just stop it. Just just stop it. And and then uh, she wants more, you know. 
Well, the sketch is really, really funny, by the way. But, but the idea here is the verse is saying, I command you to be strong. I command you to be courageous. I command you to not be terrified. And I command you to not be discouraged. And it's an impossible command in some ways. But then you get the reason. And, and so you have a command, yes, but there's a promise attached to that. And the promise is, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's why you can be strong and you can be courageous, not because you have strength, but because the Lord your God is with you. He's with you wherever you go. And so that phrase, the Lord, you know, God is not going to give you any more than you can handle. I, like I said, it's, it's a lie. Things come up all the time that we can't handle. All the time. But you're not alone. You're not alone. And so, I mean, there's still times, I mean, that, that, that verse it's, it's my favorite verse. I wouldn't call it my life verse, but maybe I should call it my life verse. It's my favorite. I mean, it makes sense. Why, why wouldn't your life be, verse be your, your favorite verse? But it's that idea of, you know, you're going to face things that are hard. You're going to face things that are discouraging. But God is going to be with you in the midst of that. And so in the movie... The phrase, you know, uh, when you take on the responsibility, great power will come. Instead of with great power comes great responsibility. When you take on the responsibility, great power will come. In the movie, it's a moment where it's like, oh, and now I'm, I'm going to be able to overcome the problem as I'm dealing with the antagonist. And, and it, it, so, yeah, it's just her realizing it and then there's great power you know involved and, and you know as soon as he says it you know as soon as he says it there's going to be something involved with with that phrase because it it's that inversion but spiritually speaking when we're talking about how god works with us and works in our lives he is going to call you to things you are not equipped for yet. He is going to call you to things that are bigger than you. But you know what? It's okay. Because he's not going to call you to something where he's just going to leave you stranded alone dealing with it. He's with you wherever you go. So the battles you face, you know, and so when you have horrible circumstances arise he's with you and when you say to him i want to do your will i want to do you know what you want me to do and and there's the whole you know his good pleasing and perfect will and there's the whole you know his perfect will and his permissible will and all those things um but the bottom line is the things you are called to do 
and when you stand up to do the things that he has prepared for you to do and prepared you to do, he's going to give you what you need to get through and to overcome or to get through and to shelter, you know, like he's, he's, he's going to you know, shelter you in his, in his wings. And so all of that just came, came out of that one little line there. I mean, there's, there's lots of other potential spiritual ideas you could pull from this thing. Like, uh, you know, just <laughs> the, the whole time travel idea of, um, you know, is there free will or is it predestination and, and all that kind of thing. And honestly, the case could be made here, though, where there could, could still be predestination. It's just that her seeing these alternate versions of the future are to push her into her fate, her destiny. And, you know, so there's, there's, some, there's some neat stuff there. It doesn't get too deep into it. Um, would have been nice to see a little bit more of a philosophical struggle, but that's not what this movie was. This movie was meant to be an action adventure movie. It was meant to be a uh, uh, a team building movie, and it was meant to be a part of the Sony Spider Verse, whatever that means. Um, and. So how does this fit into the MCU? How does this fit into the Sony Spider-Verse? How does this fit into... I have no idea. But to talk about that, I feel like I do need to play the spoiler organ. And so, here is the spoiler organ. Spoiler. 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 And I have like two minutes before I'm going to be home. What's the Spider-Man connection? This is just like the Joker movie. This is just like Gotham, the TV show, season one anyway, that I saw a few episodes of. This is the birth of the superhero. And if this was an MCU movie, which I don't know it is, and I don't think it is, it kind of works with the timeline of having a kid born in 2003 and then disappear for five years because he was snapped away. And then he comes back after being snapped away and he finishes high school and goes into college. This could have been his origin story. It also could be the setup for a brand new Spider-Man. A brand new Spider-Man in 2025. Completely different universe. The Sony-verse Spider-Man, potentially. It could not be Tobey Maguire. It could not be Andrew Garfield. Because both of them are, are just, you know, the, the time period doesn't work. And they are very, very specific about the time period. You have a time period where uh, Madam Webb, Dakota Johnson, Cassie, where her mom 
is in the rainforest doing her things. And then you jump ahead to 2003. And that's where the, all the action takes place, which they did for a reason. Now, whether that reason is ever going to be realized or not, I don't know. But at the end of this movie, Peter Parker's mom goes into labor. Adam Scott plays Uncle Ben, which I love. The best part of the movie is Uncle Ben, all that stuff. Although there's a line, and this is a spoiler, but at the end, when Madam Webb has full control of her powers, and they're in the hospital with her, and, and uh, Ben's sister-in-law is in the hospital as well. He brought her there, and the nurse says, or someone says, oh, by the way, um, she's doing just fine. The baby is just fine. And Ben loves being an uncle because it's all the good and none of the responsibility. And as a joke, and she delivers the line as a joke. But as a joke, Dakota Johnson says, uh, oh, what is it? Something like, that's what he thinks for now, or something like that. And it's delivered as a joke. And it is. It's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Superhero fans, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, you know what's going to happen? Peter's parents are going to die. And May and Ben are going to raise the child. That's what's going to happen. This is not a joke. This is not a future. This is not a glimpse into the future that Ben's best friend and paramedic partner is going to be like, oh, he has no idea what's coming. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Ah, my word. Ah, yeah. So, all things considered, this is, I give it two stars out of five of that. It's not great. It's not great. It did give me some, some food to chew on, some thoughts to have. But generally speaking, I would say if you're going to watch this, wait for it to show up on maybe Disney Plus or crackle or whatever so i just pulled into my parking lot and uh that means i'm done i'm done with this so i'm going to close this episode down i do want to say thank you for joining me please check us out on youtube youtube.com slash strangers and aliens please check us out on facebook facebook.com slash strangers and aliens please follow me on facebook where i'm ben avery storyteller or instagram where i'm ben avery storyteller or threads. I think I'm Ben Avery Storyteller there as well. Right now on Twitter, I'm Whispering Loon, and I'm thinking I might want to change that to Ben Avery Storyteller. You heard it here, here, here first, folks. I might do that. But that's all you've heard here first. You haven't heard here first that I am going to do that. But anyway, man. Hey, the, the other thing this movie got me, $8 ticket, got me an hour of talking. <laughs> so if you have stuck with me to this point, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending time with me on my drive. So I wasn't just driving alone because Evan lives in Colorado now and Steve never lived close. We always tried to figure out, could we do a road trip where we wire him in somehow, where you know, zoom him in or some something. And I, I never could figure out how would I would record that. I, I, I didn't know how to bring a feed and, and, and re be able to record that way. But at least not without bringing a whole laptop set up. And um, yeah, I just don't know how to do it. I'd need a soundboard almost. Yeah. 
basket audience. Doesn't matter. Why am I talking about this? Hey, if you made it this far, thank you so much. And if you made it through all what I just said, even more so, thank you very much. And until next time, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at Strange and Alien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is one 804 And once again, thanks for listening. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs>